Earth podcast with your host, Jake Weaver, engineered by Cedric Swan. Hey, everybody, we're back with another episode of Midnight on Earth. I'm your host, Jake Weaver, and we're here to bring you more knowledge, more light, and more love. We have another returning guest, someone that was so nice enough and so generous to share her time with us previously, over a year ago. She's back. Casey Mitchell is here. Very excited about this. We're going to talk to her in just a second. But first, I need you to do something for me. Go to waveblock.com. That is waveblock.com. And there you will find EMF shielding stickers for your Apple iPhones and your Apple AirPods of various styles. It is very well known that EMF frequencies, electromagnetic frequencies, have a detrimental effect on the human body. You think about these Bluetooth headphones that are right up against the lymph nodes, just the center of our immune system in a way, one of the centers, and it's just irradiating it. And these stickers that you can put on various styles of iPhones and the Main styles of AirPods do not interfere with the functionality, but they do push the EMF frequencies away from your body. These products that WaveBlock has created protect you. They have created products that protect you. And really in this day and age with so much technology and so many frequencies flying around us constantly, We have to do our best to protect ourselves where we can and when we can. And we do have a 20% off discount code that gets you 20% off any order at waveblock.com. And that code is the word midnight, M-I-D-N-I-G-H-T. You put that in the discount code box at checkout. Like I said, you get... 20% off your complete order. And if you go to the waveblock.com website, you will see the five-star reviews. You will see the actual videos showing the functionality of these stickers. And you can also download lab reports, actual lab reports, reports that show the functionality of these products. Android users, I know you know people in your family or your friends or someone that uses these Apple products, you can get these for them. They have gift cards even. And my listeners that are Apple users, you need to protect yourselves when you can. And this is an opportunity. So go to waveblock.com, use the 20% off discount code midnight when checking out. And people, this is something I've been interested in and been researching For a very long time. I know actually a lot about this personally before I was working with WaveBlock. So this is something I believe in. So please, people, go to waveblock.com. That is waveblock.com. And also check out Blue Cobra CBD. 
That is Blue Cobra CBD, the highest quality CBD oil on earth, period. End of story. And why is that? There is a man named Howard Hitt, a.k.a. Big H, and he developed a proprietary extraction method to extract the CBD from the hemp flower, the actual hemp flower that he uses for his oil. It is called the Hit Extraction Method, and it uses no chemicals, no solvents, and no gases. There's nothing unnatural about this. It's 100% organic, and it uses 100% organic, Oregon-grown hemp. So everything about this is magical, organic, incredible, and there are a variety of products. The King Cobra, Maximum Strength, Little King Cobra, Regular Strength, and Wild Thing CBD for pets. We want our pets to also have the highest quality products out there. CBD works amazingly well with pets. This is the highest quality CBD oil out there, and it's totally organic. I put it in my body every single day in my morning shake. I take Blue Cobra every single day. And I love it. It helps me be my best self. So you can give it to your dogs you can, or your cats or any animals, snakes, rabbits, gerbils, whatever, kangaroos. And we have a Blue Cobra Midnight on Earth discount code. It is M-I-D-C-B-D. That is M-I-D-C-B-D. And that will get you free shipping on any order in the continental 48 United States. International listeners, check with Howard at bluecobracbd.com. All his contact info is there. Talk to him. See how your country's laws correlate with his product. There's no THC in there. In some cases, it's 0%, depending on the batch. But it's never above that 0.3%. And, of course, there is a money-back guarantee. You do not like the product for some reason. You keep the product Keep the shipping money if you had to pay it, and you get your money back. Just to be fair, this has never been used before. I just want to put that out there. No one has ever actually returned a product to Howard, but he just wants to make you feel comfortable. Give him a chance. Give this product a chance. In the ocean of CBD products, literally, this is the only one like this, period. There's really nothing else out there. Howard will tell you it cured his cancer. I can't say that, but as a journalist, yes, I can report on it. He is saying it cured his cancer. He knows four or five people that have said that it has cured their cancer, including someone with stage four cancer. I can't say that. I can't say it, it cures cancer. That's not what I'm saying, but this is what Howard is saying. So if you talk to Howard directly, bluecobracbd.com, he will tell you this. He will also tell you it cured his diabetes. I'm just reporting on that. And of course, there are so many other benefits to CBD. At the end of the day, anxiety, depression, other issues, it just helps. It helps. It's amazing. So go check it out. Bluecobracbd.com. That is bluecobracbd.com. And when you're done with that, 
One more thing. Follow me on Instagram at midnight underscore on underscore earth. That is the address. Go there. Follow us. Click the button. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you go to get your podcasts. There's dozens of apps. Click the button that connects us just so you know when the next episode drops. You get that notification instantly. Everything's moving so fast, actually at the speed of light and perhaps beyond. So connect with us there. And lastly, tell a friend. Tell someone that you know that loves these type of podcasts that wants to hear this incredible conversation we're going to have with Casey Mitchell. Tell that person you know them. They're your friends. Bring them here, midnightonearth.com. Okay, well, we're going to talk to Casey in just a second, but of course, just like with every other guest that we have, we read their bio. So here we go. We're going to read her bio. Casey Mitchell is a certified transformational life coach and gifted intuitive healer with many years of experience in helping individuals transcend a wide range of negative states. She has over 38 years in the field of addiction recovery. She received her certification through the Being True to You coaching organization, and she is a mastermind facilitator, licensed massage therapist, Reiki master, nutrition consultant, and she's a psychedelic integration coach specializing in life transformation and holistic addiction recovery. Specializing in life transformation. That's amazing. And she became aware of treatment models integrating psychedelics years ago when she began to see the expanded options that people had for treatments for a wide variety of conditions and the amazing recovery results. She was introduced to the sacred plant medicine ibogaine being utilized for addiction treatment and began working with numerous ibogaine treatment clinics and aftercare facilities. This expanded into a knowledge and use of a variety of sacred plant medicines for personal and spiritual growth, mental health conditions, and addiction recovery treatment. And lastly, Casey integrates these treatment models into her transformational coaching practice, educational workshops, and support circles. And she's here with us to tell all of us around the world about her new venture into the looking glass and so much more. Casey, thank you so much for being here today. How are you? Hey, Jake. I'm doing so good. I'm, I'm really happy to be here with you. Thank today. you. I'm, I'm, and thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate your time. I appreciate your generosity. We had such an amazing conversation last time. And the world has changed dramatically in just that year and six weeks, I believe, or somewhere around there. In that time, the world has changed dramatically. We're, we're in another place, a new place. And psychedelics are in a new place. Isn't that amazing? What do you think about that? Where are we right now? Well, it's like the lid has been, been blown off the uh, proverbial 
crock pot <laughs> or pandora's box we could say I open the pandora's box and it's uh it's really exciting it's really exciting um i mean there is so when when i started finding out about you know psychedelic medicines back so it's been you know eight, eight years ago eight nine years ago now and when I was introduced to Ibogaine, which comes from the sacred plant Iboga, um, the information that was available on the internet was extremely minimal, just about any psychedelics. And now uh, if you go onto the internet and just put in a search for, you know, psychedelic medicine, psychedelic integration, um, you know, any, anything related psychedelic, it's, it's kind of mind boggling how much information is out there and people are feeling much more um, comfortable talking about it publicly. Um, just even a year and a half ago, you know, when we were, when we had our, the last podcast, there were, you know, therapists who do specialize in psychedelic integration, but they wouldn't put that anywhere on their website or then, and, and they wouldn't talk about that. They would talk about uh, integrating altered states of consciousness was the kind of code language <laughs> <laughs> that they would use. And um, I mean, that's just like one example sure. of, you know, now people, you know, they're, they're, there's this freedom that people have to, actually use the word psychedelics in relation to what they're doing professionally. It does seem like, I'm sorry. It does seem like there is a very big shift in the mainstream consciousness to radical acceptance. We talked last time about the upcoming uh, medical mushroom distribution centers and how that's going to all play out. But really it's just hitting the mainstream consciousness in such a way that it's being extremely normalized. I personally share an office space where I record my podcast. I share an office space with some natural health practitioners and also some conventional health practitioners in the mental health realm and things like that. And, and I see the magazines that are coming in and these are mainstream magazines talking about the future of psychedelic therapy, MDMA. And this is, this is very mainstream. These are very generalized. There's not much mysticalness or I should say some sort of like a strange, you know, (laughs) attitude towards it. It's really just normal. They're acting like it's a brand new medicine and it's normal. And isn't it amazing? <laughs> Which is not a brand new medicine. Well, I know, you know, MDMA and LSD, <laughs> but the, these other, you know, the, the, these plant medicines, you know, iboga, um, uh, psilocybin, you know, peyote, and the, you know, ayahuasca. These have been used for thousands of years, and you know, it's. Can I say it's just very white of us to? say, oh, look, how miraculous these things actually work and do something. I think it's really just a Western mindset. You know, it's really just the Western versus the Central American. You have the Mayan mindset and the Western mindset. It really is cross-cultural because it's just where certain overarching ideologies are at. It's, it's strange how 
we're just now kind of really grasping it. It it seems like it's in response to some other push, like some some other thing is happening, and then the solution is to increase the awareness of psychedelics in the mainstream sense. Like what what is the other polarity to that? What is counterbalancing that that this is the solution towards? Well, I think that there's this this groundswell that's been um, happening for a long time. I mean, you, you look at, you know, the civil rights activists and the, you know, raising awareness of, um, you know, the settling of the United States and the, you know, colonizers. And so having an awareness of a, a raised awareness of specifically those issues um, and th- this intolerance and a like the, all of these limiting belief systems, there's the, um, you know, cultural limiting belief systems, the, you know, religious lim- <laughs> limiting belief systems <laughs> and mindsets. Right. So th- there's, you know, and control issues. So we'll talk specifically about the um, uh, substance uh, what is it? the um, Substance Act of 1978 with that's not the exact name of it, but it was put through by the Nixon administration okay. where they put all of the psychedelic medicines into a schedule one yes. category. So that's when they developed the like the scheduling of drug quote drugs and what that was really about what's come out is that it was about, about controlling populations of people. Um, so, you know, and what's happening now, it's like th- those medicines, there's a number of medicines that were being studied by scientists and they were, ha- they had evidence that they were medically beneficial for people and that they have a, a low rate of addiction yet they were put in to a, a drug schedule category that said that they had no medical purpose and that they were highly addictive. And um, it seemed so, like that yeah. was to react to the counterculture movement of the time, right? They wanted totally. to squash any sort of consciousness expansion. They being the general mm-hmm. controllers of the laws and uh, mm-hmm. things that, you know, governmental systems that would, would want to keep certain sectors oppressed. They saw that as a tool to keep them in jail. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. A way to, you know, <laughs> go into their communities, you know, pluck them out and, and put them in jail, you know, and then the whole, um, you know, the, the prison system. Oh God. I know. Um, right. So, you know, I mean, this it's, it's, it's greed, it's power, um, you know, disempowering people. Um, and, to me, it's like the solution to that is individuals finding their own personal power. And, you know, how we were talking a little bit about this before, you know, how is it that I'm participating in the dysfunction of society? You know, what, what are the, um, you know, what are the limiting belief systems, you know, within myself that were passed on from my family, from culture that are not serving me? Um, and that's one of the things that I talk a lot about with my, my coaching clients and, and in my groups is, um, you know, it's like, 
do your preparation work. What is it that you want to have a shift in? Lots of people don't even know what they need to have a shift in. They, they're like really depressed and they don't realize that it's a direct result of some underlying um, you know, trauma response that they have to a dysfunctional upbringing that was based on an abusive parent trying to have power over them. So it seems like that as people come on board, as psychedelics are legalized and in Oregon currently decriminalized, but in Seattle, they're legalized certain psychedelics as new people come on board, they kind of need this guidance and some sort of framework to work with as they approach these things. Because like you just said, these psychedelics can be an incredible tool to rewrite paradigms, these old paradigms that could have been instilled in us by authority figures subconsciously. We don't even know it was there. We were little kids. And that could be used as a tool. And you're saying that in some cases, this isn't really noticed, or is this something that's just opening up right now? Well, it depends on what circles you're connected with. Um, I've been learning about this for like the whole time or a lot of years. Um, you know, I've uh -huh. been in on a spiritual path for 39 years now. Um and I think probably I'd say over like the 20 last 20 years, there's so much information that is being downloaded into people's consciousness. And there's an, an uh, these, you know, openings in people's consciousness where um, they're, they're learning about these things. They're becoming more aware of, of, of what the causes of their current states of suffering are. Um, so I would like to talk a little bit about this, this shift from the, the allopathic Western medicine model into this like personally empowered, personally responsible, um, uh, model sure. of treatment. Yeah. Let's that's talk really, about it. That, that's, yeah, let's talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds amazing. I mean, we do need, that's part of what we do here on the podcast. I know you do with your six groups that you run with the Portland psychedelic society, the community you've built there is that we're really just trying to help people grow and shift and get past whatever issues so we can heal and, and really create more and just be incredible creators and builders. Yeah. And that's the thing is that it's, there's this, you know, massive paradigm shift that's taking place right now. And it's difficult for people to get their mind around it because they've had this, you know, um, this Western medical allopathic model upbringing. And you know, it's like, you go to a doctor, you get a diagnosis, you get a prescription for it, and that's supposed to fix it. And what people are finding out is that that's not working for them. There's, I know people have been on antidepressants for 10, 20 years and they're still depressed. Oh God. Right? I know me too. People, I mean, it's terrible. Right. Well, you know, it's a sign of something that's not working. Um, yes, you know, addiction, right? Yeah. right? The abstinence-based addiction uh, treatment. Um, well, and I do, I just do need to say for some people, medication for antidepressants does work. You know, there's, there's, um, there, it does work for a certain population of people. But what about the people that are still suffering? Right. So, um, and then addiction recovery also. So there's the abstinence-based um, treatment models, 
which do work for a very small percentage of people compared to the number of people that need uh, treatment for addiction. And, you know, so it's like the addiction is not the problem. Depression is not the problem. It's there's these underlying causes. There's these underlying currents. And, um, you know, one of the underlying causes is this victim mindset that people have that, you know, that we are victim of depression or whatever the disease is that we don't have anything to do with causing it. Um, And the fact is the way that I approach life is that we are master co-creators. Yes. And right. Yes, definitely. And that there's, you know, there's the subconscious, you know, the lower self, middle self and higher self is one way you can talk about it. And so the, you know, the middle self or the conscious mind is, you know, that's the the one that we are uh, like in 3D with. But there's like all of this other stuff happening on this higher self level and on this subconscious level that that expresses in the physical 3D. So, you know, what about all that? It's a lot to think about because it's it's information that you have to be aware of as you build your three-dimensional perspective. Some people only exist in one of those three and they think that that's all there is. And it's really interesting how by pulling those three together, you shift into that multi-dimensional perspective, but you have to train yourself to get there. That's part of the role of psychedelics, I think, is to help people be aware that they have that. And I think it's because you can shift your actual real-time awareness to your higher self occasionally. Mm-hmm. And that, that's yeah. potentially. Well, yeah. And, and become aware of the, the subconscious self and, you know, what are the, you know, what's, what's on your hard drive, (laughs) you know, these, right. So, so there's these, you know, the cultural norms that we have been brought up with the, you know, then you go back to like the uh, generational traumas that are passed on that are passed on through, through your DNA. Um, You know, so that's like a big, huge, gigantic subject. Um, the subconscious self and then um, where, you know, people just act out of it and they don't even realize that they're doing that. So, um, you know, and then the, the higher self or, you know, uh, uh, expanded consciousness space. um, That's a really cool space to, to, to be in, but it's very difficult. I mean, like you said, there's a learning curve with that, being able to, you know, connect to the higher consciousness and still be able to function, you know, everyday 3D world. Yes. I've heard recently someone said that we are here as material beings to have this material experience. If we were meant to, be in the spirit world all the time while we were here, we would just be spirits. So really we're here to do material work as spirits. I thought that was really interesting. Oh, I like that. <laughs> but I mean, I, I think that uh, we do have work here to do. That's very important. I think that's part of the psychedelic experience is bringing that in. But it is, like you said, it does have a learning curve there is an adjustment process there is almost a culture shock you can say by integrating Mm -hmm. that new information it's so alien 
but it's actually your natural state, but it's so alien. It takes time to really bring that in. And that's kind of what I was thinking as these new people come on with these trip centers that we talked about that in Oregon, they're just right around the corner. They're like six to nine months away. What, what do you think is going to happen with that as psychedelics really start to take off? I mean, like you said, it's a psychedelic renaissance right now, but as things go really, really, really mainstream, what do you think is going to happen? Well, we're at a really interesting time because it's like, there's these, you know, it's kind of like there's the, you know, the psychedelic world clashing with, uh big pharma yeah and western medical allopathic right so it's like wow well what what's this gonna look like <laughs> is really you know it's like what is this gonna look like um not who's gonna win but um how is it gonna play out uh because you know like we we're talking about like there's these you know cultural norms of you know greed and power um, and when you're talking about the psychedelic space, so let's talk about that for just a minute, the sure. psychedelic space. Sure. So, um, what, what psychedelics or entheo, uh, entheogens do is it, it knocks the default mode network offline. And, um, you know, the, um, some of them are, are tryptamines. So they, um, it's DMT dimethyltryptamine. And um, that is, that's a substance that's in everything. It's in our brain. It is um, created in the pineal gland. Um, it's active during sleep when we dream. And it's the, um, it's the chemical that allows our body to, our consciousness to leave the body at, at death. Um, so what, you know, the, so DMT, that medicine, um, what it does is it, you know, it gives you that, uh, this uh, altered state of consciousness experience. Um, and the other, the other medicines, it, and so the, the default mode network is, are like all the, I, people can do a Google on default mode network <laughs> and psychedelics, and you will come up with tons of information <laughs> but it's really just like the um, chattering mind like the actual like the monkey mind you could say or just like that human kind of baseline community the programming all the programming that we we've received all, all shuts off it all shuts off yeah and it's the so the ego uh people talk about ego death i don't really use that terminology um but the, the ego is the um it's what's developed for us to survive and um, it's not just um, the, uh, you know, survival, you know, don't put your hand on a hot stove kind of um, strategies. It, it's all of the strategies. It is the, you know, don't allow for, <laughs> don't allow for, you know, people of color to, um be be authentic and step into their power um you know don't allow for females to step into their power um it, just all the things that that are created for survival um so what happens is 
I mean, and this is, it's like, there's a ton of things. Those are just like the, yeah, no, just big ego examples. Right. So um, what happens is, is all of that is, um, is knocked offline and you're opened up into this space. People have these mystical experiences, this, um, experiences of, or this is a potential having these experiences of oneness, unity, um, you know, gratitude, bliss. Um, they'll have uh, perspective shifts on traumatic situations, um, perspective shifts on um, situations that have baffled them for years, um, depression, um, you know, and there's so many different ways that information can come true. Um, so those get knocked offline. And then when we come back in to our, our conscious 3D, our task and our work is to integrate that into the everyday living. And that can be in that's like, there are so many different things that people can be called to, to create, to maintain the shift that they became open to during this psychedelic journey. Now it does require people taking responsibility for themselves. Definitely. And I think you have to make it a habit as well. Like once you have that experience and you get opened up to that incredible loving feeling, you want to bring it back. You want to maintain it. It's hard because you're in this kind of denser physical experience, but you recognize it, mm-hmm. you remember it. So you have to make a habit of it. You have to make a habit of being loving and staying in that high frequency, that place where you were, the love frequency, that beautiful, blissful love. You bring it back, but it's a habit because the human experience, you know, there's so many situations that could trip you up. But maintaining that habit, I think, is the key to holding on to that. And, that, and that's part of the work. Well, it is. And that's what I, I refer to it as a lifestyle of integration. Yes. And, you know, like you were saying earlier, um, you know, when people will come back from some people, you know, people go down to Peru and have, uh, you know, drink ayahuasca for four nights, go on an ayahuasca retreat. And, you know, it's amazing. It's blissful. It's difficult. It's, you know, all of those things. But they're like in this bubble down there. And then they come back to their life in the United States. And it. (laughs) Is it, it is shocking for people. It is shocking. And so, you know, this integration piece, it's like it's important to be prepared for the experience and then prepared to integrate the experience once you come back out of it. Um, and, you know, oftentimes people will or oftentimes there are people who will have this massive mindset shift where, um, you know, all of a sudden they like realize how, how they've been living and it's not authentic for them. It's not beneficial and useful. It may have been, you know, divisive and abusive. And so, you know, so then they come back into their world and it's like, well, now what do I do? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a pretty, it's a really big frequency shift. I think is what happens is they have those gargantuan, yeah. like somebody turns the dial really far mm-hmm. and now they're a different person instantly 
and they have to reintegrate that. There's no going back. I think that that is one thing that I've learned through having these peak uh, psychedelic experiences is that once you understand what happens to you once you go through those experiences, there really is no going back. And I don't want to scare people like there's some sort of damage that's happening. It's actually quite the opposite. It's incredible growth and an opening and increasing of an awareness and that makes you a better person. So that's why you're not the same person. And that's what changes you, I think. Well, it's kind of like you can't unsee the truth. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, what, what, once, you know, once the, the consciousness is raised, the, um, it, it will always be up at that point. I mean, it, you know, I mean, it, it, you, you may want to try to dodge it, but, you know, no. <laughs> And you have a lot of experience with this. I remember we talked about this. You did run some clinics with some friends, some Ibogaine clinics. Could you remind our audience about that a little bit, your history there? Well, I didn't run clinics, but I, I worked at some That's right. Ibogaine yes. treatment clinics. Yeah, in in, um, uh, in Baja, Mexico. And the treatment model at that time was a you know five or seven day detox program. And there, there was at at that time, um, a friend of mine had an aftercare center in Nevada, but that was really the only place that you can go for aftercare for an quote, Ibogaine treatment. Really? Um, Yeah. And what is aftercare? What would you describe aftercare as? Um, basically learning a lifestyle of integration. Okay. Um, Back to the integration. It all Always goes back, back to, to yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. So that's, um, so this aftercare center, you're helping people understand what they went through in a way. Understand what they went through have. So, and then I, after that, I did work on several projects with my friend Tyson who passed away a few years ago. Yes. Um, I remember. And Yeah for, you know, prepper, um, pre-care and post-care for Ibogaine. But then we started integrating or we started offering other um, medicines at, at those um, at those clinics, the pre- and post-care clinics. So, you know, I mean, sweat lodge, yoga, breath work, of course, like I'm, you know, very, I'm, I'm such a coach. So it's like, okay, journaling and, you know, writing and looking at what your underlying traumas are to be resolved and what's your commitment for your, (laughs) for moving forward with making habit changes, lifestyle changes. How are you going to have that supported moving forward in your life, uh, participating in, um, you know, 12 step models or recovery models, um, or, you know, psychedelic society meetings. Um, so all of that integration is huge. It's like anything that you can come up with that relates to healthy self-care or healthy living <laughs> is integration. Yeah. And I think that that's really part of the purpose of these psychedelics. We talk about these things and we understand that these are very powerful substances. We're not really talking about these lightly. We understand that. I know Casey understands that for sure. It's just that 
these substances are now going mainstream. So we want people to understand what's happening with these. I mean, like we talked about last time, there's trip centers just around the corner. Are you thinking of opening one? I mean, I I know the stipulations are still the same. You, you only need a high school diploma. You, you don't need a doctorate or any other certification. I actually had that verified just recently. And uh, the opportunity is there. Is that something you ever think you would take on? I I don't know. Well, well we will see. I <laughs> live my life by like following the breadcrumbs because there's a lot of things that I've accomplished in my life that I never would have imagined. Yes. You've really <laughs> like, done great work. You know, yeah, exactly. You know, president of Portland Psychedelic Society. Not my plants, but I did it. Right. Um and, and, you know, I mean, this whole, you know, psychedelic thing, uh, not my plans, but this is what these were my, the breadcrumbs and I followed them. So um, I, I don't know. We'll see about the uh, licensing. So for those of you that don't know, we're in Oregon and there was a measure 109 that was passed for um, uh legalizing supervised psilocybin sessions. And so that involves um, the OHA, Oregon Health Association, um, developing a standard for curriculum. Um, So that's just for licensing of facilitators. Then there is the licensing of the uh, uh, facilities that the sessions will be offered in. Um, And then there's the oversight for the development of the, you know, growing of the psilocybin. Um, And yeah, it's like, and and so they have, um, they developed an advisory board. And so there's been, that's what's been taking place since uh, November are, all of these discussions um, on these advisory boards and, you know, the recommendations that they're going to send to the Oregon health authority to make decisions on, on all of those things. It's a massive undertaking. It sounds like, I mean, curriculum, you're using the word curriculum, really it's how you're going to process the shamanic experience. Like, how are you going to stage it? Where are you going to take people? (laughs) How are you going to bring them home? Is that, is that what you would describe the curriculum as? Oh, much more than that. (laughs) Really? Yeah, Yeah, it's, well, you know, I mean. (laughs) Wow. It it, it has to fit into the the Western medical model. Yeah, you were saying like an allopathic model. Yeah, so it has to fit in there. But then there's also, uh, you know, I mean, there's a lot of this stuff that is, you know, kind of a little foreign to a Western medical model. Definitely. And, you know, I mean, there's, yeah, I mean, there, there's some basics of, you know, safety and, um, you know, ethics. Uh, but, you know, you know, there's, you know, so much history with these medicines. So there's a, you know, education on the history, um, all the different ways that uh, psilocybin has been used um, or can be used. Um, I mean, it's just, it's, uh, 
I, I was happy to see that it looks like one of the requirements is um, going to be a, a good hefty chunk of hours uh, training for integration. Oh, that's amazing. It, it's really amazing. That's huge news. I would say that's huge news because then you're not just leaving people on the side of the road, tripping their brains out. Well, <laughs> that's a, in a figurative sense, I, you know, like you don't want to just let people go without understanding what they went through. Like you said, the integration. Exactly. But the measure only defines, you know, it, it requires uh, one preparation session, the, uh, the supervised psilocybin session, and then a optional integration session, only one optional integration session. So that's what the what that's what's written into the measure. Oh, wow. um, yeah. So and again, this it's not like you know it. People, I'm really hoping that the um, the curriculum that's being that people are developing is very clear about the fact that someone is you know for people not to expect to just go on this one psychedelic journey and be cured of their depression or their PTSD or whatever it is that there's a there's a process to it that there's that you know changing those internal workings of a human being does not happen in like seven or eight hours. Yeah, it's not like a McDonald's session. It's, there's no fast food <laughs> psychedelic experience. I mean, I think like we were saying, that's the Western allopathic mindset. It's showing up in, in that same way. Nothing's cookie cutter. Nobody's in a mold. Everyone's different psychologically. You can't just create these systems as if everyone's exactly the same from a physical standpoint, from a mental health standpoint, from just an intellectual standpoint, all of the above. Well, yeah. And, you know, I mean, the other thing with Western medical, right? I mean, spiritual healing has been talked about for thousands of years, you know, in all these different traditions. And, you know, there's people who talk about, you know, they had a a near-death experience and then they come back and there's, you know, miraculously they're healed from their cancer. And, um, you know, I mean, there's just so many stories about that. And, but the Western medical mindset does not take that into consideration. This, the, the spiritual, um, the, the aspects of uh, healing that take place in this spiritual space. Um, And that's what happens with psychedelics is that people are introduced to mystical experiences. Definitely. There's no way right now for Western medical models to like assess that or measure it you know it's like like you can't measure like you know uh, you can't measure a mystical experience and the 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 benefits of a mystical experience on an individual within the the models that we have now for measuring for success wow that's interesting to think about because that's true like how do you process interacting with the divine in a real sense where, where you've crossed the threshold of knowing you're actually experiencing it and it's transforming you. 
there's no ruler for that. There's a measuring stick. It's and even in a in a categorical sense, it's just beyond description. You could say you're trying to quantify something that's beyond description. Well, and people who have this mystical experience, they can't even quantify. It. <laughs> exactly, you know, they can try. I mean, it, it comes- <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, like, like, like with a, a five meo DMT experience, right? I mean, DMT is called the God molecule. The right. you know five meo DMT is uh, rarely have I heard someone who can actually describe what happened in that fifteen or twenty minutes or forty minutes of their journey with five meo DMT. They just know that they've come back changed. And that they have, you know, like come into union with the divine. And then there's, you know, I mean, it can be measured like, you know, in people's, you know, shifts in, uh, you know, perceptions, ideas. I mean, but it's difficult to quantify. Yeah. Like it, it's like, oh, well, um, you know, I, I all of a sudden changed my diet. Oh, this, you know, uh, I don't feel like smoking cigarettes anymore. <laughs> I, you know, whatever it, you know, so, so there are things that can be quantified, but not really. So speaking of the mystical experiences, though, that people are going to have, what about these entities, these very real entities that exist in these higher dimensions? How are mainstream people, and I hate, I'm so sorry to describe people that way. There are fellow humans. I don't just want to just throw people in a category, mainstream people. I don't mean it that way. Like I just really mean people that haven't been exposed to this type of information. What happens when they interact with angels, when they interact with real interdimensional beings, what do you think that that's going to do for people? Well, are you asking what that will do for people or how, how it will shift them? accepted that's going to be by guess, people that they talk to about that? I guess both. <laughs> I mean, if it's happening all over the place and people are having real transformative experiences and I don't want to say they can replicate it because it's so personal, but they can share the experience with someone else and maybe they might have a similar experience. I mean, when we get to that level, we talk about, you know, the shift that can happen when people are taking psychedelics, but now we're taking it a step further and saying what happens when people start to interact with these higher entities? Well, people can interact with higher entities with or without psychedelics, of right? Course. I mean, you, right. So, so you have these, you know, people who are, uh, you know, I have a friend of mine. I mean, I mean, there's people who are mediums. There yes. are, you we've know, had quite people, a few of them as guests, right? Yeah. So, um, I think that part of this is that 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 breakdown of the division. Ah, that we talked about earlier, yes. right? So, um, so like moving into like accepting people, you know, as they are, you know, you take off the, you know, this these um, uh, physical Christian ideas, yeah. or you know, all these religious ideas about what's right and what's wrong and what's acceptable and it's what's not acceptable. It's like, well, let's just come to. Like, what is each individual's 
person's experience being in this meat suit, this body (laughs) on the planet. Right. It's right. like, what is your experience of, 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 you know, how do you experience this 3D quote reality? You know, are you, do you like uh, hear energy? Do, are you clairvoyant? Do you like all of a sudden just know things? Are you like, do you actually have conversations with people who have passed on from this physical form? Do you connect with angels like you were talking about, these angels and these entities um, that people communicate with when they're on a journey? Um, uh, People communicating with their ancestors when they're on a journey or through whatever means they have to do that. So we've been um, trained to, I mean, a lot of us. And then for me, I was trained this way, but then had to outgrow it. <laughs> that, that was like woo-woo bullshit. Of course. Right? Yeah. It's like, and of course, like you said, it's a religious foundation where all that thought comes from that says it's woo-woo bullshit. You know, it's, it's, you, you analyze, you step it back and you find out, oh, it has the religious moral and ethical guidelines of saying it's evil, not just energetic moral and ethical guidelines. Oh, yeah. And, you know. I mean, witches, right? I mean, witch came from uh, um, the 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 name of a tribe, and you know, people have, you know, I mean, before we had allopathic Western medicine, we had plants, right? And people were using plants to treat illness, and there were, you know. The, the people in the village or in the tribe or whatever that knew exactly how to use what was available for healing. And then they do spiritual healing. Um, there are tribes and cultures where, um, you know, someone who hears voices and someone who sees things that nobody else sees, they consider that a gift. And they take that person and they train them to be a healer, to be the, the healer of their community. Um, so, you know, it, it's about this complete shift of, you know, what people think about that stuff. Yeah, how the whole and world the, is going to shift, really. It's, it's just everything across the board. And I think what you're saying is, is that all of these worlds will kind of dissolve into each other. And because it was really just one real situation to begin with. And all of these filters that we have that are blocking our interactions between these worlds are going to dissolve. And it's just going to be this one beautiful experience where it's going to be undeniable. And perhaps that's part of our evolution is to go through that. Well, I think that you know that that's true. I do know that, that that's it, true. it is. Yeah, I mean, it, this is part. You know, the way that I see things is that, like, we are all connected on this conscious level, right? This this higher level consciousness, and even you can call it God consciousness, uh, you know, Christ consciousness, whatever. But it's like we're all connected there, and I do believe that each individual is a manifestation of that consciousness. 
Yes. Manifestation of the God consciousness. So it's like, you know, we looked at what's going on down on earth and it's like, oh, okay, well, I'm going to go down there. I'm going to beam into that body and I'm going to, you know, uh, help with uh, bringing, you know, compassion and forgiveness to the world. And, but what I'm going to do is like hurt some people so that there's this, you know, cauldron of people having to learn about compassion and forgiveness and personally empowering themselves. And, you know, and then you, we are like all in this, doing this together and through either conscious practices while you're on the planet, (laughs) or maybe it won't be until you leave the planet where you get to see that, oh, you know what? We are all one. We are all doing this together. I think it's coming. I mean, that is our natural state as we talk about, but I just feel like it's going to be so interesting as conventional people. I don't want to keep putting people in boxes as people that haven't been exposed to this information really kind of get exposed to it for the first time. Those initial awakening experiences, whether individual and collectively, it's going to be a sight to behold, I would say, as, as, as veterans of the experience as we are. It's going to be a sight to behold as we, as we see everyone blossom and collectively blossom. Well, <laughs> it's a huge learning curve. There, there's a huge learning curve for a lot of people. Um, some people are, are like, they're naturally able to, um, live from an, an authentic, open minded space, you know, hippies. <laughs> and that's what people call people like that. Tree haggers, hippies. Well, it's evolved, you is- know, conscious people. Now, now we say conscious people. New age was probably in the eighties, you know, what wokeism it just goes in all different direction. I don't, I, I personally feel that my experience with psychedelics, the biggest thing that I've learned is that we're all light beings in a physical body. And that's mm-hmm. what unifies yep. us. Our body is really just this incredible acclamation of earth elements and other forces and also just powered by the life force. And that's really us. That's what unites us. I think that that's the biggest thing I learned is that in order to unite the world, in order to really get everyone on the same page, we have to start with the fact that no matter where we are, who we are, ancestry, our lives, our genders, we're really just light beings. If we can start there, we can heal the world. I really feel that. I would agree with you 100%. You know, that, yeah, that's where it, the love it, comes in. And then the respect, you know, goes down into the physical realm and the love. And you're always just respecting each other and loving each other. But if we could really just start there, I think that that's, that's part of it. And that's part of the things that psychedelics do is really help you separate 
your physical body and really get to that energetic self. And is that what Into the Looking Glass is all about? Let's talk about that a little bit. This is your new situation. You're still with the Portland Psychedelic Society facilitating six different groups, which we're going to remind people of at the end. But you did step down. You're the former president, but now you have the into the looking glass situation that's developing. Please tell us all about that and what, what your intentions are with that. Well, what my intentions are is to continue doing the work that I've been doing. So I'm an integration coach. Uh, so I work with individuals one-on-one and uh, I also do, so to expand my group coaching services is something that is going to be into the looking glass. Um, and Continuing, uh, continue to offer my um, these donation-based um, events. Um, I am a huge advocate of creating community and participating in community. Um, there is nothing that <laughs> that replaces it. Um, you know, for as far as you know, personal and spiritual growth. Sure. You know, contributing, receiving, um, you know, showing up, finding your place in uh, in a community. So um, I will be building the Into the Looking Glass community. You know, I've done that with Portland Psychedelic Society. And so those are my people there. Um, and I'm going to continue, you know, in this other you know, business entity. And really this is potentially where the trip center could show up. If you do choose (laughs) to do that, it feels like you should. I don't know why I keep bringing that up, but it, it just feels like you should like in a way, like, you know, all about it. You are the right person. (laughs) into the looking glass. I mean, you already have the cool name. Like I'm just, it feels natural. I don't know. That's just my opinion. So the, the possibilities are infinite. (laughs) Like like in, in, in the quantum field, possibilities (laughs) are infinite. And, um, I'm really good at preparation and integration coaching. Right. Um, I, you know, I have, so I, I have a lot of experience with that. Uh, so definitely I will be working with uh, psilocybin services facilitators who are offering um, sessions as oh, well as okay. um, facilities. So, um, you know, definitely, you know, work with the the bookending of these sessions because it's uh, it's essential. Yeah, I, I think you kind of need to, as respect to the divine and to the substance itself, the natural spirit of the natural element, and then just your fellow man, like just to be in that frequency of love, you have to set it up that way. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and I've been doing this for so long. I, you know, know the value of community. I, you know, I, I know what people need to integrate and all of the different areas. Um, and this spiritual aspect of it is, is really important. It's, um, you know, I'm, uh, have been uh, a 12 step person for 39 years. And th- that is the basis of the success of the, the 12 step um, movement is um, people calling, um, moving into this spiritual realm. 
and lean on, I mean, it was 12 step was very Christian based, but, um, you know, integrating a relationship with God, universal life force, power greater themselves, whatever you want to call it. Um, and without that element, people's growth is stunted. I, I fold that into my coaching. I fold that into my, um, you know, into my groups. Um, yeah. I'm interested to see what into the looking glass is going to end up being. Wow. Well, this is really exciting. I mean, I think that uh, the spiritual component, like you just talked about, is probably the primary component. And that is the purpose of it. So if we can just help people and guide people, and like you said, you could bookend those experiences maybe for another trip facility. Who knows? What's that? Maybe there'll be a midnight on earth uh, psychedelic facility and you can help me. You can bookend it. Because the thing is, is that in Seattle, and we talked about this on the phone uh, privately, is that they legalized, I believe it was ibogaine. I, I, I know it was uh, mescaline, synthesized mescaline, and all forms of psilocybin in the city of Seattle are completely legalized. And so it seems like by the time these trip centers are fully in place and, and open for business, you could say, there'll be even more substances to choose from. It won't be just psilocybin, which is something else to think about. There is so much to think about. It, it, it is like it, it's very psychedelic. It's like, it, it's really, it, 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 it's, it's, it's very difficult to get one's mind around everything that is happening. Well, like it's, if, it's really difficult. Well, it, it seems like, and like I said, we talked about this privately, but there's war and strife in the world right now. And you see that as mm -hmm. one polarity, but then you see this rising up of consciousness as freedom, the access mm -hmm. to these substances that mm -hmm. will literally change the world happening potentially in response, like we said earlier, but you could at least see the, the juxtaposition, the polarities balancing each other out. Yeah. And there, there's just, there's such a, there's a huge demand for an effective option uh, uh, for healing for people. Yes. The, um, you know, depression uh, is, has, has been off the charts over the last two years, um, the suicide rates, the overdose rates, it, it's, you know, it is so severe right now. And um, that's one of the reasons why I love doing my, my donation-based groups is because it gives people a place to come to, to find some answers for themselves. And, you know, it's not just all about psychedelics. I mean, it is, but it's like, you know, lifestyle changes and, um, and you know, and community. So that's the preparation. Huh? And community, which is so important, like you said. And, and community. Yeah. Yeah. It's just community in and of itself is so healing. And you hear these stories of other people. I mean, again, back to 12 step, it's like, you know, you have, you know, it's based on one drunk talking to another, you know, one alcoholic talking to another alcoholic saying, oh, well, this is what I did to heal from a life-threatening case of alcoholism and, you know, helping someone else learn how to do the same thing. 
And then, you know, someone else, you know, them passing it on to the next person and the next person. Um, and this you know community that grows up around that. And you've been doing really well with that. And tell me about the six groups. What are the six groups? Because people can find you there. And it doesn't matter where yeah. you are in the world. You can be anywhere in the world and you can f- go to these meetup groups that you facilitate. So can we tell people yeah. about those? What are these groups? Um. Well, first, uh, the, uh, into the Looking Glass meetup. So I'm um, starting to offer groups there. Uh, so that's my my private meetup group. Uh, well, it's public, but it's mine. Um, so um, and with Portland Psychedelic Society. So the groups that I developed and facilitate there, um, uh, integration circles. So a couple of uh, community integration circles. Um, there's an addiction recovery and psychedelics. So people who want to find out about treating addiction with psychedelics can come there. Um, I have a women's group once a month. Um, there is a, a microdosing group that I co-facilitate with uh, my friend, Joe Eaton. Nice. And, uh, and I started a, a group that's called psychedelics for the new and curious. Ooh. And, yeah. See, all, yeah. all of this sounds like the foundations of a trip center. I'm sorry. I don't know if, if you, <laughs> like, if you were to take those titles and put them together, I'd say, oh, it sounds like you want to open a trip center. But uh, that's amazing. So people can find you there and they could go to the Portland Psychedelic Society website or they could just go to what? Meetup.com and, and search well, by you your know, name. Go, go. You can't find me on the website. I'm not on the board of directors anymore. Um, they, you just go to Meetup. Okay, find, Meetup. Yeah, Portland Psychedelic Society and Into the Looking Glass. And you can find me there. You can find me on, you can message me on Instagram. Uh, it's into the looking glass.kmm. Yes. Um, yeah. You know, I'm on Facebook. People can find me there. Well, I think that there's people that are searching right now and we have access to all of our statistics and a lot of the listeners to this program even though it's worldwide they do tend to fall into the younger age range because there are these new people these wonderful souls and we love you that are looking for this information and they're looking to us to guide them to the right places They're looking to us to give them the right information. So I really want them to go and check out your meetup groups. And of course, a website is on the way. If you're listening to this and this is a previous episode, you'll be seeing this This is under construction right now, but it is into the looking glass dot co. So that is a website that's being built right now. And you'll see that as Into the Looking Glass develops. And like Casey said, you can find her at intothelookingglass.kmm on Instagram. And really, Casey, we've had an incredible conversation. We've touched on so many things, your incredible life, what's coming, the general consciousness shift in relation to psychedelics. But is there anything else you'd like to leave our incredible audience with before we uh, end this interview? What I would like to leave the people with is um, be present and be grateful and uh, be with your loved ones. 
Amazing. You know? I mean, yeah, I, I just, you know, what we've been through over the last two years with the pandemic and, you know, currently there's oh a war God. in Ukraine, <laughs> right? And um, there's a lot of people who are, you know, for me, there was a lot of transformation. It was really, really hard and very dark at, you know, some sometimes um, me, for me personally and what I went through. But uh, we're all coming out the other side of this. And it is up to us to make that conscious choice to basically be better humans on the planet. Yes. Be representatives you know. of love and light every single day. We talk about that all the time. Make it a habit to be loving. Make it a habit to be a yeah. light being, to be a light being 24-7 and recognize your fellow humans as light beings that deserve as much love, respect, and admiration as you do. Right? Yeah. And it just allow people to be who they are. Yes. And if you don't like it, then set your boundary and get the hell out of there. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Casey, for being on the show. I really appreciate you. Thank you so much. Please reach out to me. Anyone who, you know, I, I'm, I'm very accessible and I would love to have a conversation with anyone who's listening to this podcast and would like to connect. Epic. Well, please hold through the outro music and everyone. What an incredible conversation. I love talking to Casey and we just, we want to be here as a sounding board for the people. It doesn't actually matter what age you are. If you're new to this information, if you're new to this experience and you have questions, feel free to reach out in any form. There's like 900 different ways to connect with people now instantly. So feel free to reach out. I think that's what we're saying. We love you. So please, everyone will see you next week. Midnight on earth.